Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast where we talk about everything training, nutrition and lifestyle and depict the myths, avoid the niceties and get again to that raw truthful knowledge about any given subject. Thank you once again for those who are supporting the podcast so far. We really appreciate the positive contribution. Keep up those likes, those positive feedback loops and also any shares that we have as well because if we can share this knowledge and get it out to people who are interested and have a passion for it and we can impact the industry positively then it's always a win. Now today my guest is none other than Alistair Cran. Alistair Cran is a Bachelor of Physiotherapy and he's also a Bachelor of Exercise Science he graduated with a double degree of physiotherapy exercise science at Griffith University on the Gold Coast back in 2012. Shortly after, he moved to Sydney, where he's fortunate enough to get a job in a highly respected physiotherapy practice, catered to elite action sport teams around the world, which some of which we get into within this podcast, which is quite interesting, and I must admit, I was quite fascinated to learn about this. Through this, he gained enormous amount of experiences training high-profile athletes in very extreme and stressful situations. After his experience in Sydney, he moved back to the Gold Coast in 2015, where he opened up a smaller physiotherapy practice on the Isle of Capri, Physio on Capri, in October 2017. He teamed up with Paul and the Moving with Easy team to provide physiotherapy services out of EMF Performance Center Elite Military Fitness here in Rabina, where I'm also a coach and where we shot this podcast. With all the facilities of EMF, including the altitude rooms at their disposal, he's very committed to providing the highest of quality of care that he can to his client. He's always enjoyed an active and a healthy lifestyle. The lifestyle sparked his interest in many sports, namely surfing, skating, and surf life-saving. Through the years of enjoying recreational sports, he's become particularly keen on learning and about the understanding of the body and how it adapts to external stresses. Being able to empathize with clients and their unique injuries is a major part of his job and it helps him steer treatments toward exercise modification rather than avoidance. He ensures that his clients get back to the sports that they love sooner rather than later with a better understanding of how they prevent injury into the future. Now, in this conversation, we do delve into a lot of those topics in the past. We also look at some prevention rather than cure specifically, again, for general population, but more people who actually go to the gym, more strength-based athletes, resistance-trained athletes, and also touching back on his past with the extreme sports because I think at the end of the day, there's a lot we can learn from the top profile athletes because they are in the extreme situations. And if we can look at the remedies that uh, they can possibly benefit from, then it might give us a bit of insight to the smaller and the easier fixes that most of us are doing on a regular basis. So some of those are which we explore in this exercise, some things you can apply straight away and they may apply to your own lifestyle. But either way, you're gonna learn some valuable things that you can take with into your training and into your lifestyle out of this one. So without further ado, please enjoy this latest podcast with Alistair Cram. Thank you for joining us on the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast. Oh, how's the day been so far? Alright, it's been okay. Just 
Between a couple of clients, and then we organise this to have a bit of a chat. That's it. That's yeah. the way, man. That's the way, and uh, we appreciate your time and uh, sharing some of your knowledge. Yeah. So, as always, tell us who you are, what you do, how you got into it. Give us a bit of a background. Uh, well, I'm Alistair Cran. I uh, graduated physiotherapy at Griffith University at the end of 2012. Went down to Sydney for a couple of years because I got a pretty good opportunity there. Um, the practice that I was working with supplied physios to most of the extreme sports events in Australia. So I got some pretty good opportunities going to extreme sports surfing events, Nitro Circus Live, uh, the exhibition hockey matches USA versus Canada, and even some specialty events like Guns N' Roses and all that sort of stuff too. That is quite unique. Yeah, yeah, so it's pretty good. Um, I still get a couple of those gigs a year just because I've got a good relationship with them but sure. I decided uh, having a starting salary and living in Sydney is not conducive to growing your own business so Definitely. I moved back up here and started my own thing firstly inside fitness on Capri, Nile Capri mm -hmm. then I got offered this lease inside this EMF gym and the EMF gym's a pretty good business so yeah, good facilities. yeah it's great you get everything you could ask for here yeah, and then the spoil of choice. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, and you know we've got the capacity to, you know, expand into other ones if we want to as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I've just tried to niche myself towards you know surfers, um, surf lifesavers, and extreme sports athletes, but also the gym population too. Things I really enjoy. So I, I'm an avid surfer myself, and enjoy the gym. Used to do CrossFit, um, competed in the Opens a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep on top of your body in CrossFit, so... Yeah, definitely. It's very, yeah. It's very demanding, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. And so, <laughs> here I am. That's about it, really. That's my go. story so far. Sounds like uh, there's a few... I would like to dig into a few of those earlier experiences because it sounds like there'll be a lot of valuable knowledge in there, and I'm quite curious myself, quite yep. honest, um, with what you've done. I think it's important that, you know, you mentioned, you said, you want to stick to something that you enjoy, like you know, mm -hmm. you're an avid surfer. You obviously work on that clientele. Yeah. And obviously, you've got your extreme sports, which I think we'll digress into in a minute because I think that is quite unique. I've not met many practitioners personally who work with such a an extreme athlete because um, I can imagine you would see a lot <laughs> and a variety of injuries, which we can kind of cross over and look at more in the resistance. Yeah. Realm. Yeah. But before we, we press on with that, what uh, we there was an interview I did recently, as, as I've mentioned, uh, with an osteopath, physio, etc., Nathan, and we talked about the common injuries that we see within the gym environment. What is your perspective on that, and what injuries do you see the most since you've been working in a facility like this? And, and this is obviously more of a commercial setting. So we're getting everything from a more general population, yeah. functional athletes. You know, we have got a few physique competitors, but there is more of a variety. What would your take on that be? Um, well, I see, and everyone that works at gym probably says the same. They see a lot of lower backs, necks, and shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, generally, the body biomechanics from that repetitive, you know, flexion-based lifestyle that we lead, whether Lead, whether it's sitting in a chair for long periods of time or hunching over and doing labor intensive jobs, it's going to change your body mechanically somehow. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's a lot of flexion based stuff which puts a lot of load on the 
front part of the shoulder joint. So I get a lot of people with biceps tendon problems from pressing forward and overhead. Okay. Just because their shoulder mechanics aren't fantastic anymore. They're not sitting as well as they should be. Sure. And lower back disc type issues. They're sitting eight, nine hours a day at a desk and then they go and they try and back squat 100 kilos for eight reps or something and it's just that progressive overload on that one particular structure over time and then it breaks down. Okay. So that's that's probably the most common ones I see at the gym here. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, preventing it, that's why we offer, you know, um, that gap free consultation to everyone for sure. in the gym is to learn how to get that body mechanics sorted or some management strategies to work around that and then progressively strengthen up your body in the right position again. Yeah. But definitely, I've been seeing a lot of biceps tendon issues lately. Okay. On the pressing forward, pressing over stuff, always lower backs and always neck type issues too from mm -hmm. the gym as well. Those would be the main ones I'd say. Yeah. For sure. So sometimes, I think this comes up a lot, it's not what clients are doing in the gym, it's what they're doing outside of the gym which has a big yeah. crossover. Yeah. What would you, in terms of the, more, more uh, instead of the diagnostics or what you would, would prescribe for someone or how you diagnose uh, what someone has, what are some of the most basic preventative things most people can do, especially because I think there's a lot of people out there with desk jobs who still yeah. now with the, the you know, laptop lifestyle. Mm. Um, I know I'm guilty of it myself. What's some of the best quick fixes that you can do that maybe most people are looking to kind of remediate that and then we'll dive into more of what you do in, in this room. Sure, well, um, with respect to flexion-based activity like desk jobs, the easiest thing you could do is go down to Office Works and get a standing desk. That'll eliminate a lot of the problems straight yeah. away. Yeah, it's actually, that's actually on my list. Like, the yeah. Random. Yeah, oh, yeah. Seem like yeah. I even just stand there sometimes on the workbench yeah. and I'm just sort of trying to straddle down because it's definitely yeah, it's comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> sitting at the end of the day, it's not a natural sort of activity. As soon as you sit down, it posteriorly rotates your pelvis and it puts a lot of load on the discs in your back, especially right. the lower back. So just getting a standing desk at the very least um, is one of the best things you can do. But also, um, a lumbar support's great too. Uh, because of that flexion load pace on the disc, if you just put a lumbar support in, in the back, it helps um, redistribute the load more evenly through the discs and the joints. And that can take a lot of load off the discs too. Okay. Um, Is that because it creates more of the natural thoracic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just creates more of that because as soon as you posteriorly rotate, you put that you put that flexion in the lower back, and it takes that lordosis away. Yeah. And as yeah. soon as you put that in through the back, it makes you just sit upright. So yeah, it just that posture and, and distributes the load yeah. evenly, and obviously takes hopefully a bit of pressure off. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, so those are the two overarching ones. But also, if you're planning to get a standing desk, I usually suggest to my clients like the 80 20 rule. So 80% standing, 20% sitting. Okay. And if you're going yeah, from. Like yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the 80 20 rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, if you're going from, you know, sitting all day every day to standing all day every day, obviously that's going to put load on different joints more than it used to. Yeah. So even though it's a more natural sort of position, you still got to get you know, stability in your legs and the sort of footwear um, you're using and the sort of, you know, surface you're standing on looked at too because it's ultimately going to put a lot of load on the knees and hips as well. So you just need to make sure you account for all that stuff too. Especially if you are spending a lot of time in that environment yeah. or that realm there where you are at the desk, like you said, it's worth investing in yeah. a good desk, good footwear. Yeah, it's worth it. The, the surface areas and whatnot. So that, that was a little thing. 
Well, that makes mm-hmm. sense, and I think uh, that's a really, it's a good recommendation. It's one I've actually thought about myself, as I said, thought about the standing desk. I know it's getting quite popular, there's a few people doing it, but mm-hmm. I don't know whether that, some people should, because it's a fashion thing rather than the functional, so it's good to know that there is a method to the madness, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And, um, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I read it a couple of years ago. Um, for every hour you sit for, you lose seven minutes of your lifespan, as opposed to... Really? No, you, yeah, you lose 11 minutes <laughs> of your lifespan. Let's stand up then! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, use, you lose 11 minutes of your lifespan, whereas if you smoke a cigarette, you only lose seven minutes of your lifespan. Right, so should we should light a cigarette by this hour then, is that what you Yeah, yeah, so you could, you could smoke eight cigarettes today, and if you are standing up all day, you'd be one step ahead of everyone sitting at a desk. I'm not sure how accurate that yeah, is. Yeah, you have to check the signs on that <laughs> Yeah, one. yeah. Where, where does that, um, what's the, like, what's the science behind it? Like, what's the, the theory? Well, it's well known, like, as soon as you sit down, you're not using your muscle pumps in your legs to get that blood flow back to your heart. So there's a lot of blood pooling in your legs. Also, your lungs can't expand as well when you're okay. sitting down, so that you've got that problem too. It's just a basic circulatory thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just double check that. Yeah. I'm not sure how accurate it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, even if the accuracy is off, I'd say the principle yeah. is probably accurate in terms yeah. that you're probably better to move. Again, if we, if we go back and look at, okay, not only physiologically or biomechanically what we were designed to do or how we did move, I think some of the answers to the future in the past and vice versa, but... You know, we, we weren't sat down all day. We were foraging, yeah. we were washing, we were cleaning, and then obviously we didn't have time to rest. And we see some of these systems implemented now, like the Japanese have got, you know, they say, you know, you should work for small bouts of time more intensely and have more frequent breaks. Mm. And I do agree with that. I guess it's good for people who fidget a lot like myself because we're not able to sit down yeah. for long periods yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, so again, I think that's good that we can identify that because mm. perhaps I think that's the first maybe step. Everyone is different. Some people will be at a desk job. You know, you've got that pressure from work sometimes, but even if you get up, do you think, would it help even just for a two to five minutes or even as little as one to two minutes having that break? Do you think there would be, not even on that notion we just talked about, but from your experience, mm. do you think there would be a benefit to that? So say someone who's working an actual desktop, they don't get up, they don't have clients yeah. like us, they're not moving around. Would you say there is a benefit of them in, you know, apart from lunch and their breaks, being getting up, whether it's once or twice an hour for a minute? Do you, what, what would your recommend, I, recommendation be on that? I definitely think that doing something is better than doing nothing. Mm. But at the end of the day, this is something I tell my, my biggest return clients too, uh, for people for like maintenance sort of treatments. Mm-hmm. They're the people that sit down all day, every day, okay? Um, because they're doing nine, you know, hours, eight, nine hours of sitting a day, standing up for a minute or so is the least you can do. Yeah. But I, I personally don't think it's still enough. And doing, you know, a couple of minutes of mobility that I give them exercise-wise is probably not enough to maintain, you know, your body in good health mechanically, yeah. physi- physiologically. So. I suggest they come in, you know, once a month, once every couple of months, yeah, and have your body looked at again and make sure it's all realigned. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I guess prevention is better than cure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Much better than cure. Um, yeah, and even just teach them, you know, how to mobilise, what particularly is, you know, tight, what's not, strengthen up, what's 
lacking compared to the other side. For sure, I'm gonna try and fix the problem before it eventuates. Exactly, yeah. At the end of the day, it's something's better than nothing, but you know, nine hours of sitting's probably not as good for you as standing up for eight, nine hours. So okay. just get a standing desk probably. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. That's good to know though as well. Mm. I think people who, who do stand, whether it's a physical job or they're just on the feet all day, it's yeah. interesting to, to see the disparity. I know that from my own experience, the first example you used about sitting down at a desk all day and then going to squat, I find that I perform better um, either when I train when I'm rested, obviously in lying in a vertical, uh, sorry, horizontal position, not vertical, not a vampire, not yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> versus sitting down at a desk all day and then going in. Now there's obviously other stresses from, from having a long day of training, yeah. but I find it's very tight. Um, something I do with my clients is activation work. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about this um, and, and again if you've got any recommendations but doing dynamic movements um, or specific movements to try and isolate and trigger and warm up muscles especially if someone has been in you know an office or a desk job because I feel that the, the muscles if so would be even more um, I guess not cold but uh, mm. less responsive uh, yeah. and it could cause more of an injury and I, I would actually like to second part of that question in terms of warm-ups today, because this is a we get this is a broad topic, but what's in your opinion too much and not enough? And what would be a basic recommendation from your perspective as a physio for someone doing a strength-based uh, yeah. session? How would you warm up? At, let's say they're doing full body squat bench and dead. Yeah. How would you facilitate a warm-up and, and if so a cool down? Um well in terms of warm-up and cool down. I would, I would definitely screen them and ask them what they do for a job, firstly, foremostly, and yeah, go over a warm-up that helps, like you suggested, tailored as strengthening up the things that they might have kind of switched off during the day, like those rectospinae muscles from hunching over and sitting all day every day, because as soon as you sit in a chair, all those rectospinae muscles kind of switch off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in terms of what's too much, uh, I don't know, I guess it's how long is this piece of string? Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I know there's a lot of variability and that's quite an open yeah. question. Yeah. But if you guess you can give us um, parameters or again, basic guidelines, yeah. if you will. Because it, okay. it is specific, I understand that. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're to fail there with that question. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, just based on your experience. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> I actually read an article recently um, that detailed whether it's good to do some sort of cardio or resistance type warm-up before you actually go and do resistance training. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you do cardio or resistance training. If you do too much, you'll get the central fatigue factor that lasts throughout your whole training session. Mm -hmm. So just getting on the, you know, the rower or the, you know, the walker and just walking for a while before your training session, sure. um, in terms of getting your muscles to fully activate when you get into that strength session, it's gonna really, really impact that from central fatigue. Sure. So it's like those, I guess, basics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I de yeah, definitely. You definitely wouldn't want to do too much. Just some dynamic stretching is good. I like dynamic stretching, especially because it doesn't. I don't know. What is it that uh, when it desensitizes the goal? When you always stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so the stairs actually the stretch shortening cycle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that one. I haven't. Look that up in a while. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. yeah um, so I I couldn't tell you exactly how long 
what exactly I do. It, it all depends specifically on the person I've got in the room. Sure. time yeah sorry i can't be more specific with that no, no this is good i mean yeah. at the end of the day it's it's based on your experience you know which yeah. is good and that yeah there's no right or wrongs um, yeah in that respect you know um yeah. so going back to when you get a client in and they have got one of these injuries mm -hmm. let's just say it's one of these common injuries let's say it's lumbar because i think a lot of people struggle with that yeah um as, as like you said, the neck I think is another one, and, and the, the biceps. What what are you seeing uh, specifically? What's going wrong in those areas, and what are you doing to alleviate that? Okay. Are you? Is it always the same? Is there a pattern? Is there a trend? Yeah. Um, and then obviously you say, obviously you screen them. What do you do for work? Okay, mm -hmm. you need to cut this out because that's got a big effect. But now focusing more on what you do in the room. Can yeah. you talk us through? So, methodology. with respect to like a younger population, because I, I treat a little bit of a younger population given my, you know, location yeah, in the yeah, gym. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to lower back issues, they're, they're predominantly pretty similar. Mm -hmm. You know, they're more flexion-based type injuries from an active lifestyle. Okay. So when it comes to screening, I make sure I go over all the lower body mechanics too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, you know, feet stability, you know, hip stability, pelvic stability, and tightness in the thoracic, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I go over, you know, their job as well. Yeah. What they do, generally a flexion-based type job, their, you know, tightness in their specific muscles that attach into their lower back too. Because mm -hmm. if you have, um, you know, for example, tightness in your quad hip flexors as opposed to the ones that more posteriorly rotate the pelvis, like your glutes. Okay that can change your pelvic position and then your lower back position and you don't even know it when you're squatting. Yeah. So go over all that sort of stuff and try and really educate them on what they're doing day to day and everyday life that's gonna affect their ability to squat or deadlift or do what they wanna do in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, generate a game plan from there. And it's in terms of lower back stuff, it's very similar. Uh, you always see people with tight hip flexors and you know tight quads because they're sitting in a desk at a desk for long periods of time that puts a lot of compressive load on the lower back yes that makes um, sense. yeah and then from there you know teach them correct positioning go through anything in terms of biomechanically they need to fix up with the squats and deadlifts and all that sort of stuff and gradually progress from there sure. a lot of it's very similar with that respect shoulders are a bit more complicated yeah it's a, it, well there's a lot going on yeah it's a complicated joint yeah um, yeah yeah it's fair to say so i mentioned there there's, there's so many I guess areas that can go wrong. Yeah. You know, I've struggled personally. Yeah. Uh, but it was hard to isolate and find the root cause because, again, it, sometimes where you get the pain is not where the problem is, right? Because it can be referral. Yeah. So I guess exactly. it is a complicated joint where you do have a complicated problem. Yeah. But continue. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to shoulders, it's a bit more complicated. You've got to go through a bit more of a thorough history on what particular movements cause the issue mm -hmm. and then go all, all through, you know, um, strength test for your muscles and you know the range of motion all that sort of stuff because you can get um, quite a different presentation even with the same sort of population sure. um, it, it helps a little bit that you know all my gym all my clients here are gym based so you know you kind of look for the same patterns like problems with pressing forward pressing overhead sure. where they get the pain um, and their range of motion and you know obviously it all, it, a lot of it comes back to you know their desk and I mean their job too um, but yeah, same sort of same sort of progression. It's just 
there's a lot of different pathways you can take. So addressing the range of motion deficits, making sure there's an accurate diagnosis too. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's difficult. I just I just got a patient that's been bounced around from practitioner to practitioner recently. Yeah. And um, you know, it's it, they've they they did ultrasound scans on their rotator cuff tendons, um, just a supraspinatus one, and she's got a bit of bursitis, but you know, they, they didn't ever look at the posterior part of her shoulder and her infraspinatus is pretty much hollowed out because oh. it's just, I, I don't, I've got a feeling it might be, you know, a bigger tear than what is showing, what is showing on the ultrasound just because they did that part of the shoulder. Um, and so we're getting an MRI now, so it'll be interesting to see there, but yeah, you can get a lot of different stuff going on with the shoulder as well. Um, so yeah, going through a range of motion, then addressing how the shoulder blades are sitting, where they have deficits, and then gradually teaching them right progression and positions they should have their shoulder blades in, and then progressing that back into what they do gradually. Mm -hmm. um, that's the hardest part with um, gym goers too, is making them adhere to that gradual reintroduction to training. Sure. Um, so they just want to go to Bullitt Gate sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, so, yeah, that's essentially how I do shoulders too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. It's a thorough method. And what I liked about what you said is that, I mean, first of all, you acknowledge that there is a difference and there's not obviously just one method. And sometimes you get different outcomes and that you do look at it um, from different aspects. And I think that's important as a good practitioner because you can't be tunnel visioned. If you're tunnel visioned, it will generally lead, well, not only to the client's detriment, but I don't think you will come to the best conclusion a lot of the time is you can't actually step away and look at it from that different perspective. And then yeah. maybe that's where the problem is, like you said, and the practitioners that that patient have gone to and not even done the due diligence to check yeah. <laughs> the other parts of the shoulder, which to you may have been common sense, uh, which is good. But for others, again, they were just so focused maybe on that specific area that they yeah, well, maybe the most common ones that are usually injured that they yeah. you know didn't have a look at. Yeah, because you you know in physio, when it comes to shoulder, we did you know you do the manual muscle test, the range of motion, and you sure. think that's gonna that'll pick up you know nine nine percent of shoulder injuries. But this was just plain looking at it before I ever did any manual muscle test and said this a difference from side to side as well. Yeah, it's like the, the bare bone basics. Yeah, sometimes Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or she could have gone to the other practitioners and it hadn't actually started wasting away yet or not. This is true. There are yeah. many outcomes and it's, yeah. it's not about, I guess, uh, right or wrong, but mm. it is one of those things. Experience is key. You know, you mm. have a lot of work and knowledge and it's the same in our industry with the trainers. You know, at the end of the day, you're always learning, but sometimes you, well, not sometimes, but all the time, you've got to pay attention to the, the basics. Um, the basics are the best, they work, and sometimes you do have to not overlook those little things because they are often the little things that will stand the test of time and actually get you to help your patients and, and their desired result, mm. um, yeah. which, is, which is good. I want to go and dig back into extreme sports. I want to talk about some of the patients and the clientele that you've worked with Mm -hmm. Whether it was the motocross, I think you mentioned, um, cross, uh, was it, sorry, Nitro Circus, not Cross yep. Demons, I think. Yeah. The same one point. And then you mentioned something else. What was that other one in? 
was it a concert? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I I provided physio for uh, Guns N' Roses yeah. during this lifetime tour too. Yeah. Can can yeah. you talk us through one at a time, <clears throat> and then the, what you were, what injuries you saw within those rounds? Now, obviously, some of them are pretty apparent and obvious, but yeah. this will be interesting just to see the disparity between in the gym mm-hmm. versus an extreme sport athlete and yeah. then a musician, I guess, or, or people who are working in yeah. production. Um, can you talk us through about anything you, you think is relevant uh, from your experience in that and how has it helped you, I guess, uh, in, in, in this realm? I think I think the best way that Nitro Circus helped me was being able to look at the scenario unfolding in front of you, whether it's, you know, straight in front of you live or, you know, there might be people learning at home watching, you know, a game of basketball or something like that and trying to diagnose what's happening at that exact moment. Someone rolls on their ankle or something like that. Um, yeah, being in Nitro Circus was terrific because the physios, we actually used to be just the first responders okay. as well. They, they didn't actually have any um, medical doctors. Oh, wow. So it, it, we, we were the first responders and we have to go over um, and determine what the injury was straight away and whether it was an injury bad enough to be uh, to get the paramedics involved and get them off straight to hospital or whether the person could keep um, keep playing. For sure. So I think being able to, you know, react that quickly without, you know, so much as touching the person quite yet and already, you know, narrowing down that differential diagnosis before you actually get to the person and then making that diagnosis straight away after just, you know, a test or two. So like really sharpening your observation skills. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it was terrific for that. Um, it was really, really terrific for that, especially when we were still the first responders. Um, because yeah, you had to make that decision straight away. And also you've got these people, they're extreme sports athletes and their tolerance for what sort of injuries they can have and what they still want to do uh, is very different to the average person. Yeah. Because they want to keep going. You know, regardless, yeah, and you need to make that decision. You need to weigh up whether, you know, because you 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 know you start knowing them on a personal level too, so you know what they can handle. Or you think, oh, Dusty, you know, he's not going to tell you if he's got a specific problem, if it, even if it's a really really bad problem. So you need to weigh up how you know them on a personal level, and then what the actual injury is, and what they've dealt with in the past too, and then make the decision whether the paramedic needs to step in or not. Sure. Yeah, but um, there's a couple of instances where you know there's no other way they can keep going unless they get a paramedic involved. Okay. Yeah, so I remember one specific incident. Yeah, it was some natural. Yeah, yeah, samples. so uh, there was a, a ride. This was just when they just started doing combinations with front flips, like no handed front flips and all that on a motocross bike. I see. Uh, he went over the jump and he under-rotated and he landed too heavy on his back tyre. And so what happened is he just slid off straight away, landed on his hip, and then landed on his shoulder. And so when I was running over to him, I clearly see that his shoulder was sitting, you know, right out of his socket. So I was like, oh, mate, you know, you're not going to be able to um, keep continuing on with this show unless we have a look at the shoulder and reduce the shoulder. And he was complaining about his hip. So... If someone's got a dislocated shoulder and they're complaining about something else, it must be pretty, pretty problematic. So we just, yeah. you know, we called the paramedics in straight away, and he, he had a shattered pelvis as well as dislocated shoulder. So 
Yeah, it's it's good because you know you have to take in everything that's going on at once and try and make a diagnosis as to whether that person can keep going or not. And yeah, yeah sure. he definitely couldn't keep going. Yeah, well, yeah. at the end of the day, it's um, it's in their best interest. Yeah. For, yeah. for them to listen to you as hard as it can be. Um, yeah. But like you said, sometimes it's yeah, it's pretty obvious. Usually, pain will tell them that you know this is enough. Yeah. And I guess it is an extreme sport, so you do get extreme yeah. examples like that. Yeah, some of them will keep keep wanting to ride, even if you know you tell them no. As yeah. Well. Some of them are very. I mean, they are. You've got to be a little bit psycho. Yeah. And you've got to have a high pain threshold because inevitably, I've met some of the riders personally, mm. and they are, you know, they've had a lot of it. They've broken most bones in their body. They've yeah. all played titanium, as you know, mm-hmm. and they're pretty eccentric characters. Great people, really funny to be around. Yeah. Yeah. And I do admire them in a sense. But you're right, they will try and push through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, at a loss for their own health. So I guess that's where you kind of got to step in and, and yeah. some of the skills would come in play to say, hey, look, if you do this, you got this is going to happen. You've got this option, or if you stop now, then at least yeah. this is going to happen. So yeah. I guess, I don't know, that would be... Did you ever did you ever find you had to really put your foot down? Or they put up a fight and you said, look, like I can only advise? Or yeah. you had to yeah, really yeah. sort of get a bit, you know, like, hey, look, like you really can't ride that bike. Yeah, 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 and it used to be harder because, um, you know, they didn't have those medical professionals on board as well, like, uh, you know, doctors. Yeah. So, especially yeah. the uh, the concussion type issues because they physically there's not wrong, not much wrong with them. They don't have a bone out of place or something like that. The but rest are fine. Yeah. Yeah, physically. yeah, physically, but you can just tell when their eyes are glazed over, and there's no way that they're actually <laughs> going to be able to make it back down that ramp again yeah. and that's those are some of the instances where you've got to really put your foot down because you know physically they don't see anything wrong but they want to keep going back up that ramp and going over and over again yeah but it's understandable too because it's kind of it's their livelihood as well yeah they do love it i got to say they yeah. are well you have to but they're yeah. very passionate about what they do and they put on yeah great entertainment for, for our luxury yeah exactly so it's, yeah it's one of those things which yeah is really cool. that must be great being able to travel around and do that for a while as well i mean yeah it's definitely a good experience um the new zealand tour was amazing because usually they have shows back to back every day but in the new zealand tours three weeks and like six shows or something like that so there's a lot of downtime yeah which is awesome because you're a physio you get to travel around and do what all the you know the crew do like they you know nacho circus athletes do which is a lot of leisure activities and a lot of hanging about and having fun yeah 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 exactly so that sounds like a good way to i guess travel get life experience as well as professional experience yeah definitely yeah yeah it's definitely not about the money when you get experiences like that yeah for sure yeah it's a byproduct of success i think the financial aspect yeah exactly yeah that doesn't come for a while Especially at the start. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You know, invest, invest before you know, yeah. it grows. But you know what you put into what you get out. Yeah. Uh, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. What about now, conversely, uh, Guns of Roses? Talk, talk us through that and what, what you were doing with that specifically and what you already saw there. Yeah, so um, I, I didn't know that they would have physios. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> to, to a degree, so that's, yeah. that's a new one for me. The band, the band gigs it. 
a lot cruisier, a lot more laid back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with Guns N' Roses, I didn't really have to do much, which is good. It's just kind of something to put on the CV. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> but a good one at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I only ended up treating um, Duff and Melissa. Um, she's one of the newer members of Guns N' Roses. She's like pianist and okay. backing vocalist as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got I got to meet all the others except uh, Axel because I, I I don't know if you know much about Guns N' Roses, but a little bit. Yeah, Axel's not a fan of Slash and vice versa, and so Axel would pretty much drive from his hotel to the back of the stage and get up on stage, sing, get into his car, and then drive off again. So I never got to meet Axel, but yeah. Yeah, once the show starts, there's not much of a risk of people getting injured, so you don't have to do much. So I pretty much got to watch the whole show from uh, backstage, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. Did you get to, did you follow them around for a long time? No, so I only, because I, I did that stuff when I just started up my practice here, I could only afford to go to the Brisbane show. So it's just a Brisbane show I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is pretty great. It's a nice experience. Exactly. Like you said, yeah. so it's a good experience on the C V and yeah. hopefully you made some good connections as well. Yeah. What um what when when you treated some of those band members, what, what were you treating them for? I mean, I can think as a drummer myself and a past mm. metalhead, yeah. um, there's a lot going on on the drums. Yeah. But is it due to just negligence uh, with the with the musicians or is it you know, they actually have something going on because of the instrument they're playing. Yeah, so it does feel mainly just neck and shoulders stuff. Yeah. Same with same with Melissa. It wasn't really any specific type, oh, you know, pedal foot type injury with drumming or anything like that. Uh, it was just, yeah, just tightness from overuse, tension type headaches and tightness, all that sort of stuff. Nothing really that exciting, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But again, Unfortunate but good, I guess. In, yeah. In, in, in for the well-being of the, the people. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, it's one of those things when you're on site, like any professional, you kind of don't want things to go wrong. To a degree, I mean, you might do in the unselfish work that you want something to do, but yeah, yeah, exactly. In the, yeah. In the aspect that you know everything runs smoothly, it's probably a good thing in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we always say. Uh, we said before, prevention's better than cure. I mean, if mm. you can do that, that's better part of your job, although it might not be as exciting as fun. Yeah. Um, which might be why extreme sports is such a great place to work mm. for people who really want to be hands-on because it's inevitable. There's going to be a lot of injuries a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think it's the same with the gym, right? Yeah. You probably see you know, quite frequently people doing things wrong with getting injuries and yeah. to really get in there and, and help out. They might not be extremists. <laughs> Sure, the motocross riders were, but at yeah. the same time, I'm sure there was uh, there's a little bit more of a flow, if you like. Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess it's a um, bigger difference in terms of the type of injury where, whereby the extreme sports athletes, it's an acute, traumatic sort of injury, whereas in here, it's a gradual overload of poor biomechanics over time. Mm-hmm. But good way of explaining it. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, and. Um, it's also unfortunate because there is a lot of misinformation out there. You'll see, uh, for example, you'll see a, you know, a fitness model doing a workout that they post to Instagram or something like that. And you can ju- you're can you just watching them like they might doing a sideline scissors exercise and they're hitching all through their abs and 
really engaging through the TFL and that causes problems in itself later on down the track with knee issues, hip issues and bursa issues. So yeah, there is a lot of misinformation but it is a gradual progressive overload yeah. biomechanically over time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like that definition that you use there. It sort of really sets it out well. Yeah. A discussion me and one of the other trainees were having the other day was based around like I'm not a practitioner in the realm of physio or osteo or anything like that. Um, but as as a coach and, and a strength based athlete myself, I do look around the facility. I do see a lot of people doing things that are not wrong but not correct at the same time. And that those little things yeah. seem to be the basic bare bones again fundamentals of lifting. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping the strength back, bracing your core, taking the slack out of the bar, just yeah. using the appropriate muscle groups and executing the technique, mm. you know, safely and efficiently, yeah. even breathing. Um, yeah. And this trainer said to me, oh, what, you know, you've probably seen some funny exercises in here. And I said, yeah, I've seen some people do some funny things, which is probably <laughs> yeah. quite unnecessary. Yeah. But at the same time, and I think this is good for you as well, like this is a great opportunity for us to help people in a positive way, right? Yeah. Because it means that we can actually, although, you know, be ideal if everyone was doing anything right, but mm. then we, there wouldn't be jobs for you and me. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah. we'd have no benefit. Yeah. Um, to a degree. Yeah. I, I have though seen some pretty shocking exercises oh, yeah. in the gym. Yeah. Um, yes. There is, there's a time to definitely, I think, yeah. where you've got to step in yeah. as a professional. Um, and say that is unsafe. Yeah. I think you're obligated to do that yeah. because otherwise that is negligence because you've seen yeah. it, you've witnessed it, and you have the knowledge and the power to go, mm -hmm. there's right and wrong, that is definitely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we need to fix that. It's funny, um, and you you know, you can't you can't necessarily blame the person because there is a lot of misinformation out Correct. there. So Correct. they may have seen someone on social media do the same specific exercise and then they think, oh well, you know, that person's fit and toned and oh, I can do that exercise too. Uh, the standing internal external rotation with dumbbells, is, it really gets me. So down this position. Is that your pet, hey? Yeah, it, it's funny. Yeah, because it, do it doesn't actually do anything. No, it's no. just, it's there's, there's no, the force doesn't, yeah. um, you know, assimilate to the right places in the joint and the muscle. Actually, yeah. me and Nathan were talking about this. Yeah, 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 it's uh, hilarious. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. It's very funny. You're like, yeah. Cause I do it with cable. Yeah. And I say yeah. is that, because usually you would, you would lie down with the dumbbell. Yeah. On the side to try and, and yeah. I said, well, so something goes out, you do it with the cable, is different because the force is actually yeah. the load is coming from yeah, the side. Yeah. But if you're yeah. standing up, you're effectively just moving your shoulder. Yeah, it's just around. a static biceps hold. That's really, it. it's it's not it's not doing anything. <laughs> it's not doing anything for the rotator cuff muscles. The truth uh, doesn't even look cool, to be honest. But then it, you know, the ego is a big thing. Like you can't just go after someone. And go. No. You don't know how. I don't really know how to approach people like that too. So sometimes okay. I don't, because yeah. I, I feel bad. I'm like, oh, like, you know, like yeah. I do. I do know that it's innately just terribly wrong, yeah. but. You know, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, am I going to walk away from that and they're going to think, oh, who's this guy trying to tell exactly. me what to do? There's definitely a time and a place. Yeah. And yeah. that is something which I've pondered over, struggled with over the years. And yeah. I guess if I could offer any counsel, what I've found is um, if it is, you know, if it's extreme, step in. Um, yeah. But always, you know, preface it with, I want to help you because mm. what you're doing you could hurt yourself and I don't yeah. want to see that. Yeah. I'm just offering my advice here. Yeah. But I always go in with the angle of, you know, 
helping them, but mm. have you tried, hey, you know, it's great if you work at a facility and you've got a, um, a, a shirt on, that definitely mm. helps. If you're not, it's a lot harder. And then again, that's yeah. probably not worth it because um, it's not your concern. But if you do work at a facility like you do, I think if you go over and introduce yourself, hey, yeah, what was your name? Are you looking at the book? Just really quickly, I'm coming over. I saw you doing this. Have you tried doing it this way? Yeah. And giving them, offering them an alternatively, uh, an alternative, giving them a reason why, but yeah. telling them why. Yeah. Like most of the time, people, most people, yeah. will not be angry because they will go, oh, this person actually cares enough that they've come over, introduced themselves, yeah. themselves offered help, and told me why, and yeah. they're offering me a way to improve my yeah. performance and physique. Yeah. Um, I found you've got clients doing that as well, but again, yeah, you've cool. got to pick your times. Yeah, right. Uh, which is true, but I think if you just if you're which you, you do, you come across very relaxed, very genuine, very authentic. I think if you come across from that place and you're not being, oh mate, don't do that, you know, like that's just that's asking for a fight, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Not, and you don't want to belittle the person, mm. so you go over and introduce yourself as if you knew them. So the people that are looking on, they go, oh, they must know each other. Yeah. You don't make a big scene, you don't say you're doing it wrong, you, you don't, that's not what someone who is a professional does, I don't believe in ever belittling anyone, I think yeah. there's a time and a place and you do it in a way that, you know, mm. is integral and keeps their integrity together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Mm. Um, what One uh, question, one final question before we get to the rapid fire and the last, mm -hmm. is as a physio, because like trainers, there's a lot of them, I've been to a lot of them. It's an oversupply now. It's an oversupply. They're just pumping them out of units. It's crazy. Just like trains. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think... There should be a cap on. There should be something. There should... Well, I think there needs to be a better system. Yeah. I think there needs to be more time and experience invested mm -hmm. practically, um, as well as, you know, yeah. actual book work. There needs to be a 50-50 split. Um, I think there's either too much book work, not enough practical, or the education itself mm. is not there. The, yeah. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is to try and increase... Add um, and impact the you know industry positively. Yeah. And try and increase the standard or create more of an awareness mm. because I do believe there are some great people out there. Yeah. And even if you're well intentioned, you just might need a bit more time on the tools, as we say. Yeah. And to refine that. So, with all that said, what do you think, in your opinion, in your respective field, makes a good physio? What separates a good physio from a bad one? Or to better phrase that, what makes a competent physio that can help someone rather yeah. than someone who is maybe a little bit negligible? Um, I think, well, I think it's a personality trait that's evident with anyone that looks like or is successful. Mm -hmm. It's just that willingness to continue learning. Everyone's gonna stuff up, but if you, if you can, if you have that ability to take on criticism in a positive way, sure. even if it's, you know, negative criticism I feel like that's gonna be that's what that's that's the road that's gonna lead you to become a better practitioner yeah you're not gonna become a better practitioner in a year straight out of uni or even a couple of years straight out of uni no it's, a t it's something that takes you know time and if you're open to that criticism and you go away and you learn you know your faults and what you're bad at and you acknowledge what you're bad at too that's going to make you a good practitioner at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's... For sure. I think that's, that's a, 
a great mindset. As a yeah, man, they, well, it's a it's humble mindset, and I think it's a, a growth mindset. Yeah, so yeah. it's good to have, and I think a lot of people could take a leap out of your your thinking there as well. I'm not saying I do it. I think I'm fantastic already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always think you are on critics, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you can't improve on perfection, Exactly. Yeah, as I say, that was I do. Fair enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think we're all guilty of that sometimes, I suppose. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, that's the only truth I hold my hand up. Um, okay, so some rapid fire questions, something a little bit more lighthearted, something a little bit more fun before we end up with the last question. Yeah. Okay, so firstly, if you were a superhero, or you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? I already know this. I go through this like every second day. Oh, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> You're like me, don't you? Yeah. you imagine yourself as a superhero. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so go telekinesis. So you can you can. You're ready. Yeah. Why is it the other one? I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. No. no honestly. <laughs> Honestly, when people ask me this question, I'm ready to go. Telekinesis. Oh, mate, I'm so good. You can move, you, you move stuff around with your mind, right? Yeah. So if you wanted to, you could be invincible because you could just really condense the air particles around your body and then, you know, if someone shoots at you or anything, it just bounce off. Also, you could fly too because you just telekinetically move your own body. Yeah. So telekinesis, you can cover being super strong too because if you want to lift something up, you just pretend you're doing it with your mind. Sure. As well. So you're super strong, you're invincible, you can fly, and you can move things with your brain. So it just it encompasses everything. You've really thought about this. I've really thought about this, yeah. Excuse the pun. This is good. It makes me rethink my superpower now. Yeah. That's good. Well, you just want to fly, I can do that already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to be super strong, I'm already there. Yeah. Yeah, so. This is good, I see. You've cornered every aspect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, telekinesis, that's it. Okay, I like it. Yeah. This is a good answer, it's one of the best so far. Yeah, that's it. I'm telling you, telekinesis. Right, okay. So, with your telekinesis powers, yeah. on to the next question. Yeah. If you could, and you could now, if you could wake up anywhere in the world and you could. With those powers, mm-hmm. where would it be and why? If you wake up anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would it be and why? With those powers? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be those powers. Oh, I'm saying you yeah, have yeah. the power to do that, but if you could, yeah, anywhere I mean, in the world, yeah, yeah. Is there a place that connects with you um, that you're fond of or some place you've never been uh, or maybe probably, you've already been to? Uh, probably the Amazon jungle. So yeah, because my friend really wants to go on an expedition through there and he wanted to go this year, but okay. I couldn't, couldn't go with him because I've already got a couple of holidays planned, but sure. yeah, I, th- I feel like it'd just be, you know, like being in the ocean or the world would be alien, it'd be something really interesting and untouched by humans because we tend to mess up everything we touch, pretty much. Yeah. And I'd want to see something like that before we inevitably do chop it down and destroy our own planet. For sure. Yeah. Ernest with true words. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. That's, yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be cool to see, actually. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that, people are trying to get back to nature and whatnot. There's still yeah. a lot of untouched gems, and that would be one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when you go on a bushwalk or something like, or anything like that, you know, you just feel more calm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're more... It sounds, you know, not only you're, you're right. You're in where you're supposed to be. You're in that nature. You well, we were talking yeah. about this this morning. Me and a friend about the beach, and you'll get this. Yeah. You're a surfer. Yeah. Um, I don't surf much anymore, but I try and go and sit in the sea, in physically, um, yeah. at least once or twice a week because yeah. 
I can't put my finger on it. I could try and explain it, hmm. but in short, there is something about going in the sea which grounds me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. upsets me and distresses yeah. me, and it's always been one of my happy places, even since I was a kid, even yeah. living in a colder country like England. Hmm. I visited the sea with um, my grandparents, and I loved it. I yeah. always was fascinated by the sea. Yeah. Um, whether that's because you can just kind of get off the old earth or the island, I guess, not yeah. earth, but like a country and like just be in, you know, you're like with one with nature. Yeah. It sounds a bit rich, but it's the truth. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's something that I feel like it's just where we're supposed to be, but so many people, it's so disconnected from all that stuff yeah. now. Yeah. That they don't realize how good a feeling you have when you just in those sort of environments. Exactly. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. I mean, Again, simplicity, basics, going yeah. back to what we know. Hmm. And my final rapid fire question, if you could live forever, would you? No, no, definitely not. No way. It'd be just, it'd be, it'd be painful after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely be painful. All your loved ones, you know, die and then, you know, they go on to whatever's next, whatever it is. Whether we get broken down. Okay, so that that let's go into that because that's another one of my questions that I wasn't gonna ask. Yeah. So I usually go three, but I will. Yeah. That was the first one of the questions. What do you think happens when we die? Um. Which and there's no right or wrong. What do you, what do you personally think? And you might not know. Like in yeah. terms of you might not have an opinion, but I think you yeah. do. That's why I asked it. Well, I, I definitely think something happens. Whether in, we're in just a big computer simulation and we wake up and we're actually. A different universe just playing a video game but you know very basically you know we we break down into little particles and then we become the building blocks of millions of other different organisms just in our own world which is pretty exciting just to think about as it is but yeah there's definitely something afterwards whether it's you know becoming something different completely organism wise or it's just something completely out of this world yeah, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, I too think there's something more. Yeah, I always think there's something more. Like the end of a good film, it's never the end. Yeah, I just feel like there's something. Um, yeah, even with my science-based and then more, you know, experience-based brain, I just mm. believe in my heart of hearts that there is something more. Well, there and is we'll something. We'll find more. out one day. Yeah, there's definitely something more. It's just whether we keep this same consciousness or yeah, not. Yeah, whether we can comprehend it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, from a physiological perspective. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, Alright, which leads me to my final question, which is a bit more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one of, or a fear mm-hmm. that you've had in your life? A major fear. What was it? Yeah. How did you overcome it? And how yeah. has it benefited? about when you were studying childhood yep. recently anything uh, that just means something to you like a fear that you've overcome and you've gone yeah that that bridged the gap and you took something major out of that so in terms of like mental growing yeah like i got an answer yeah. for like just like physically oh it could be could be yeah anything. whatever whatever yeah. sticks out to you as something that an yeah. adversity of fear something you were yeah. scared of or instilled fear in you you overcame yeah. it um, and that you were better off and, and what yeah. what did it teach you? Like what did you take out of that experience? Well talk us through that. The physical fears sharks, like they're just 
the hell scary. Like, even yeah. though I surf all day, every day, I've had experiences where I've seen them, like, right on my board and things like that. Wow. And I don't think I'll ever not be scared of them. For sure. Makes sense. But I think that's because there's a respect for such a majestic group. Yeah, yeah. And they are quite big, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> Yeah. When yeah. you see them in the water. So you've seen great whites? Um, I've seen I've seen something that I think was a great white. I was paddling out and I saw it through like the face of the wave about to break and it was just it was thick and it had a white underside. It was about three meters long. So was it so, faced like that? Yeah, one? it was going across the wave. Oh, thanks, fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that would have been an interesting duck yeah. dive. Oh no, yeah, and no, I was going across the wave face, but yeah, it was definitely it was something. Big. It's it's not streamlined like a normal fish. Yeah. It was like a fish type shark. It was just thick. Yeah. And bulky. Um, did you carry on surfing or did you get out? No, I went in. My mates <laughs> wanted to keep surfing. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, time for me to go in. Yeah, um, no, no. I'd be the same as you. I'd be a bit off, but. Yeah, yeah. And um, in terms of mentally conquering fear, it's probably asking for help when you don't know what the issue, what, what to do in a particular circumstance or you have a problem with understanding something because I was a bit stubborn. With that respect through a lot of my early years and even into uni too if yeah. i didn't understand something i just would wouldn't ask questions i just shut my mouth kind of thing but i feel like now that i've kind of gotten over that fear it's, it's easier to come to the conclusions a lot quicker because i i ask for help from other people mm-hmm. yeah for sure that's that was one of my big fears was asking for help too because i thought i could do it all myself yeah yeah I, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. And thank you for sharing because yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate. Yeah. And can relate to that. Mm. Um, some fear more than others. Yeah. And I think it can be difficult to not only physically ask because it's something that you've actually got to go and do and sometimes you feel a bit stupid or mm. you don't feel like you've got the confidence or maybe you feel like you should know. Yeah. Or just whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's also the mental aspect of it as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, is there anything to gain from this? And mm. like, how do I approach it? How do I ask that question? So yeah, definitely. yeah, I think a lot of people could relate to that. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's obviously benefited you. Like you've improved now. Like you said, you can come to conclusions a lot faster. I guess you yeah, feel yeah. like you have instead of just being alone, you have like a bit of an army of people you can go up and just ask ask the question mm-hmm. and get a better result. So, yeah, well, exactly. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you, Alison. Thank you for your time once again. Before mm-hmm. we wrap up, um, for people who want to contact you. Ask yep. you any questions yep. or book in with you for your services. Yep. Where can they find you? Where's the best place to book in, etc. And obviously, we'll put these in the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I'm at EMF Mobile Town Centre. We have a website, emfphysio.com.au. You can book online there, or you can call our main office on, you know, five five six two one four eight seven. I'm guessing. Will be in the description. Correct. So, correct. Yeah, so five five six two one four eight seven. Uh that's the best way to contact me. For sure. And yeah. are you big on social or uh, do you have any you put any yeah. content out if you want? Yeah, yeah, so to follow you there. I have on? um like a physio page as well where I I post exercises every day, so it's oh, great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. What's yeah, that? It's Alistair Cran underscore physio too. There we go, great. And I'll yeah. put that the show notes for guys watching and listening so yeah you can cool. follow along as well yeah um thank you again alistair right. um, perhaps we will do a round two mm-hmm. um purely for the fact that uh, i think there's a lot more to talk about and um we actually share share a facility now as well so it's uh, yeah, cool. not, not only for, for long but um i think you're very 
good at what you do. As I said before, I think you are very genuine um, and passionate, which is a rarity in the industry. So would be perhaps reconvening at some point for a, for a part two. But thank you for your time. Good, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. I'm sure um, people will take a lot out of this episode as well. Cool. Awesome. Guys, and until next time, as always, tune in for the next episode and stay fearless. Cool.